Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Good evening and welcome to For Men About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Rachel Jacobs and I'm your host for this weekly journey through all things fermented, archived on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It is November 6th. This is episode 221. I am flying solo tonight. Uh, Chris and Mary are hard at work on Fifth Hammer, the new brewery that just opened in Long Island City. Uh, And that actually allows for an easy segue to announcements. Uh, This Wednesday, that is two days from now, starting at 6 p.m. and going to 9 p.m., or I guess however late you want to, uh, is the New York City uh, Brewed Fall Crawl in Long Island City. It's a kind of a walkabout to four different breweries around the neighborhood. It features pours from over a dozen local breweries, including Fifth Hammer, Wartega, LIC Beer Project, Rockaway Brewing, Big Alice, and more. And all proceeds go to the New York City Brewers Guild and New York State Brewers Association. For tickets and more information, uh, search uh, NYC Brewed Fall Crawl on Facebook or check out the events on Fifth Hammer's website, uh, fifthhammerbrewing.com. And uh, once our homebrew listeners have gotten some local inspiration, you guys can sign up for Homebrew Alley, an AHA BJ. BJCP sanctioned competition. Competition sign up is now live for the event, which uh, the judging happens in February. So check it out at homebrewalley.com. In other ferments news, Ferment Ferment, the annual fermentation potluck meetup is happening on November 8th. That's a couple of Saturdays from now. It's uh, at 1 1 to 4 p.m. It meets in Mayday Space in Brooklyn this year. Uh, So start making something interesting. It's a fun potluck event where people make all sorts of interesting ferments and then bring them to share them. It's also a good place to uh, exchange cultures. Uh, So if you are looking for some SCOBY or you're looking to get rid of some SCOBY, uh, it's a good place to find some stuff. So check it out uh, at fermentferment.wordpress.com or you can find them on their Facebook page. Uh, tomorrow is November 7th, which is my dad's birthday, so happy birthday, dad. Also, it is uh, election day, so this is my last plea to all of our listeners to please go out and vote. Uh, I can't say to all of the other states, sorry, I, voting is important no matter where you are, but in New York City especially, this year we have uh, three things that we are voting for on the back of the ballot. So when you're done voting for mayor and your representatives, and, and we're also voting on a new DA uh, in Brooklyn... Don't don't forget that there's another side of the ballot. Um, there are some interesting things that we're going to be voting on. So uh, there's a good rundown of what those things are. There's a good Medium article uh, called A New York Voter's Guide to Election Day's Three Ballot Questions. So you should check that out. And please go out and vote tomorrow. Polls generally are open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. So find yourself a little bit of time to vote. Uh, but for today... 
We have an episode that was recorded a couple of weeks ago at the Chili Brew Homebrew Competition on October 13th in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, Chili Brew is an annual event organized by Ian Patrick McDonald in supporting grassroots charities as well as local homebrew shops. So this is a little bit of a peek into the homebrew culture in another big city in Baltimore, Maryland, where they're really big on breweries as well. Um, You'll hear some interviews with some of the brewers and the organizer. Um, I apologize to a couple of the brewers. My... (laughs) I uh, had a producer's faux pas 101. My SD card actually ran out of room uh, before I think the last one saved. So I'm sorry. Uh, You're still in the thanks. So thank you very much. And your brew was delicious. So here it is. This is Chili Brew 11 in Baltimore. Hey, uh, so where are we right now? We're at Chili Brew. Uh, happens in Baltimore annually. It's sort of a fundraising for nonprofits that are locally and also supporting home brewing and people who make chili, apparently. This is their 11th annual. Hi. Uh, what's your name? My name is Mark. Uh, do you live in Baltimore? Yeah, I live in Mount Vernon. I'm having the coffee goes... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's by far the most unique beer I've ever had. I've never had coffee sour before. I think those are two really strange flavors to put together. But... Um, in some miraculous way, it works. Yeah, it's good. Honestly, probably wouldn't buy it. <laughs> but it, uh, I think that's the beauty of one of these events like Chili Brew, right? You, you bring the ultimate creativity to play. Mark Hatfield from Baltimore, from Cannes. Uh, so I made a coffee goza. Uh, it's a coffee sour beer, German-style wheat beer. I uh, dry hopped it with an Ethiopian um, blend uh, coffee bean, got from Patterson Perk uh, Coffee Shop. Um, yeah, so it's a strange combination, but uh, people seem to like it, and uh, hopefully you like it as well. What kind of beer do you usually make? So I've been getting into sour beers, but uh, I've made anything from IPAs to stout, so I'm also serving a smoked stout, which you might be drinking right now. Yeah, sorry, I'm drinking the stout is what it is. So, so that beer I can tell you a little bit about. Uh, it's uh, made with a malt that's smoked with cherry wood. So it gives a, uh, a nice subtle like sweetness. We use a little bit of the malt so it doesn't give like too much of a smoky flavor. Take away from the nice uh, robust flavor of the stout. But uh, kind of add some sweetness and some smooth sweetness to it. So. How do you smoke it? So it's, the malt is actually already uh, smoked. So you just use it as a, as a regular malt. It's an addition. So we use a little bit of it. And uh, yep. How long have you been homebrewing for? Uh, four or five years, probably. Yeah, somewhere around there. My wife bought me my first kit. And then I've kind of been addicted ever since. So yeah. This is your first time here at Chili Brew? No. So I've done it for the last, probably four of the last five years. The only time was when the O's were in the playoffs and I could not miss a game. So other than that, I've been here. This is a great event. It's my favorite event during Baltimore Beer Week. So uh, definitely uh, frequent it for anybody that's listening. So sure. Have you noticed any like trends among uh, Baltimore homebrewers? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a it's a it's a big group. I don't, people don't understand. I think how big it is. There's I mean, there's three homebrew shops that are within a 20 25 minute uh, drive, and I try to frequent them all. My name is Jeff Myers. I'm here tonight with my good friend Brian Crane. We uh, we're from Bel Air. We are homebrewers, so we're not affiliated with anybody. Our label, we call Most Eisley Brewing, a tribute to Star Wars. And all of our beers are named after Foo Fighters songs. This beer is called Everlong. It is an oatmeal milk stout, which means a couple things. It's made with flaked oats. It's also made with lactose, which helps to smooth out the flavor profile. 
if you want to try a taste, I'll pour one for you. What I'm going to hope is that as you take a whiff of this before you, before you taste it, you're going to get a little bit of hazelnut on the nose. And then as you taste it, what I'm looking for is a slight taste of coffee with a nice, rich, chocolatey aftertaste. That is what I'm getting. And it's, it's lighter than most stouts. Most stouts tend to be in like the 7 to 8% alcohol by volume range. This is only about 5%, so it's really not going to knock you off your chair. Can you describe your logo for me? So my son and I are tremendous Star Wars fans. We're Star Wars all day, all day, all day long. And he and I started brewing together a couple of years ago, and our first beer was a root beer. And for just kicks and giggles, we decided to come up with a name, and our name was Mos Eisley because of our Star Wars fanaticism. And uh, we used a crowdsourcing website to help create this logo, which is, it features a, a hop in the shape of the Millennium Falcon, and it also features two crossing what I call wheat sabers. Looks like the lightsaber, but made with wheat stalks. And I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you made this beer? Oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I can. So, um, I mean, the, the process is pretty standard. The, the ingredients I have listed here, we have a, a combination of a, a couple of different malts. The, the most prolific malt that we feature in here is the carafa, which gives it a little bit of a chocolatey taste, but also with flaked oats and roasted barley. All of the hops are added into the boil. There's no additives after the fact, um, in terms of the hops, that is. We did, however, give it some extra flavor characteristics by adding some hazelnut and adding some coca nibs, which I had soaked in vodka for about three days prior to adding to our secondary. We added them into the secondary, and that's what's giving it that extra chocolatey kind of a characteristic. Very cool. Um, so, real quick, have you noticed any interesting like trends among uh, Baltimore homebrewers? Well, what I'm finding is that everybody seems to be picking up on the IPA trend. As you look around here, most of the beers that you see featured here are very hoppy. You see IPAs and a few other variations, but they're very hoppy. Ours is a little bit different. We're a, we're a very malt-forward beer. I love stouts, they're my favorite to make. They can be very complex, they can be bitter, they can be sweet, they can be high in alcohol, they can be low. We're trying to do something a little bit different by creating a, a pretty unique type of stout, maybe a little bit differentiator from a competition. Oh, definitely. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. My name's Will Olson. I'm from Philadelphia. I've been living in Baltimore for a couple years now, and my brewery is called Patapsco Brewery. What have you got for us today? Uh, today I've got the triple-double IPA. I'm a big NBA fan. And the after-party Saison. Tell me a little bit about the beers. Uh, let's start with the Saison. The Saison is uh, really featuring a French-Belgian yeast and really just has some accompanying hops to really help that yeast shine. It's dry with a little bit of fruit on the finish. It really features a French-Belgian yeast that kind of bubbles up at the finish. Do you make a lot of Saisons? Uh, Saisons, I've felt, is the best because I don't have advanced temperature control right yet. I've only been brewing for a year, and the temperature of my apartment makes perfect Saisons, so that's what I've been doing. I came to this event last year and it really inspired me to brew for myself. Within two weeks I started brewing, but it's just a rapidly growing, exciting trend in Baltimore right now to feature craft beer. Yeah, so uh, my name's Glenn. I live in Baltimore. Uh, I don't belong to any homebrew group. I've been homebrewing for about two years now. Uh, yeah, so this is an all-grain uh, batch of beer. So. Uh, Basically, the base malt is uh, Pilsner and two-row malt uh, with some victory malt for color and a little bit of grainy flavor. 
uh, and wheat, a uh, small amount of wheat malt for head uh, retention, and then uh, fermented with the French Saison yeast um, at uh, around 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, then racked it into the keg, uh, chilled it, and added some chamomile to it. Uh, so I typically end up making beers that I feel like I haven't had the opportunity to try somewhere else. So the things that dictate what I end, what I end up uh, drink uh, brewing are things that I want to have that I can't get at the store. So I, I mean, I think Baltimore Craft Brew and Home Brew, they both have been the on the sort of New England IPA kick. Some of them are great. I, I mean, there are, there, are, there are a couple other places that try to use more local uh, ingredients. There's a Dead Rise that uh, Flying Dog makes. It has Old Bay in it. It's supposed to taste kind of like crabs, I guess, a little bit. It's interesting. Um, Waverly has an oyster stout that, uh, you know, they try to incorporate some of this bay, uh, Chesapeake Bay flavor into things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are those things that sort of local Baltimore, try to infuse local Baltimore flavors into beer, but it's rough when all you have are crabs and garbage uh, in the bay. It's kind of it. Hey, my name's Jen Wenzel, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I don't have any affiliation with any Oh uh, Probably like six years. So this is Old Greg. It's a smoked seaweed stout with maple syrup. Where do you add the seaweed? Like, Yeah, so we used a dulce seaweed, which is a red seaweed that grows off the mid-Atlantic coast. And we used two ounces of it in the boil at the at flame out. And then also added uh, four ounces of smoked dull seaweed uh, in the secondary, along with some maple syrup. It tastes like the ocean. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, it's, it's very uh, briny and also sweet from the maple syrup. It's very much uh, of the sea. <laughs> Um, have, is this your first time at Chili Brew? No, it's uh, my third time. Uh, I actually won last year, but this year it's a pretty adventurous beer, so I, I don't expect a lot of people to like it. What did you make last year? <laughs> last year I made a, a, a smoked strawberry alt beer, so from the Dusseldorf region of Germany, uh, an alt beer, and it was called um, Alt Beer Bowie, after David Bowie. Have you noticed any interesting, um, any trends among like home brewing in Baltimore or any like craft brewing in Baltimore? That's really hard. I would say at Chili Brew specifically, um, there's a big trend to make really adventurous beers. So for instance, there's a guy down there making a pawpaw beer, which is a regional fruit of pawpaw. It's like a mid-Atlantic fruit that grows a lot in Maryland and Virginia. It's a pawpaw IPA. It's a really sweet, delicious, tropical fruit. And, um, you know, it's really just to make something experimental and fun because, you know, people are going to try it and everybody here is, like, really receptive and, and friendly. So it's a, it's a good place to, to try something new. My name's Steve Magdeber. I'm right here from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. And I have uh, two beers here tonight. I have a, uh, an American wheat beer. I call it the Funny Little Honey Hefeweizen. And I have a uh, hard-hearted ale, which is an IPA similar to a Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. Tell me a little bit about the process of uh, how you made. Let's actually start with the Two-Hearted Ale. With the sorry, the hard-hearted ale. Um, it's pretty simple. It's a it's a uh, fly sparge, uh, 60 minute uh, boil, 60 minute mash. Um, 
I uh, dry hop it with four ounces of uh, Centennial. It's all Centennial hops. Uh, four ounces in the uh, in secondary, and uh, it's a five-gallon batch. You know that I that I brewed. And how about the? You said it's a honey hefeweizen. The honey hefeweizen. I used. Uh, um, it's mostly uh, pale two-row with uh, with three pounds of white wheat malt. There's also uh, honey malt to give it the honey flavor, as well as uh, a pound of uh, of actual wildflower honey. Is uh is it local honey? It's a lo- It's actually from uh, Redgate Farm in uh, Leesburg, Virginia. It's a wildflower honey. How have you ever brewed with honey before? Um. I've done it in when I first started in some uh, extract brews. Uh, this is the first time I've actually used it in, a, in an all-grain. I used it in the uh, probably last five minutes of the boil. What made you decide to do a honey brew? I've always wanted to do a, a wheat beer like this. It's something my wife likes. I actually named the beer after her. She's the funny little honey. So, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing more of them. What do you typically brew? Well, I personally like IPA, so I, I probably lean that way quite a bit. But uh, I do all styles. I do porters, stouts, uh, IPAs, Blondales, and just just working on the craft right now. I know IPAs have been really you know, ruling you know, over the last several years, but I think we're starting to see more uh, more diversity, more uh, work with kettle souring which I haven't done yet, but that's on my list. Uh, barrel aging and things like that. Uh, that's uh, I'm looking forward to those things. I'm working my way up to it. Do you have a favorite beer? Uh, Commercial beer, I guess. Give me, give me a craft beer. Uh, I like a, uh, tell you the, one of my most favorite recent beers is a uh, Founders uh, it's a Golden Promise, or it's a Mosaic Promise. So it's a Golden Promise malt and uh, mosaic hops. It's a smash beer. We'll be back with more brews and more stews after this quick break. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Welcome back to Ferment About It on Heritage Radio Network. This is episode 221, and we're reliving some footage from the Chili Brew Competition in Baltimore, Maryland on October 13th. Uh, we have another brewer, followed by Ian Patrick McDonald, the event organizer. Uh, so take a listen. So my name's Cole Grinnell. I'm from here in Baltimore. 
I'm a chemist at Morgan State University, and occasionally I get some of my equipment from there. <laughs> so tell us about what you have today. So what we have here is called a Rontinium Rausch beer. So it's a smoked German beer named after Wilhelm Rodigan, who is the discoverer of X-rays. Uh, he actually grew up in the region of Germany, in Saxony, where this style of beer was very popular. And because I'm a chemist, I name all of my beers after other chemists. And I do all of my beer labels as element labels. What other element beers have you made? Uh, I made a Curie Cream Ale, and I made a um, uh, Rutherford Rye. So what you just drank was a, a mix, a hybrid. So half the grains in there were German Marzen grains that I smoked for two days in Beechwood. And the other half is unsmoked pills grains, um, which is also quite handy because Wilhelm Grudigan was of both German and Czech ancestry, so it's both a German and Czech style beer. I think the, the beer board of Germany would not approve though. Oh yeah, half of it's a Rausch beer. I have adulterated the hell out of it, and I'm sure I would be chased out of Saxony if I ever showed my face there. So how long have you been brewing for? I've been brewing for about six years. As a chemist, is there anything that you can do with like equipment that you have that other homebrewers maybe can't? Yeah, I occasionally add, particularly when I make cider, I add certain chemicals out of my lab, um, like tannic acid or um, uh, malonic acid. Um, so tannic acid adds tannins as a kind of dryness to the mouthfeel, and malonic acid kinds of kind of a kind of a smooth mouthfeel to it. Um, I use that for my cream ale sometimes too. So have you noticed any interesting trends among homebrewers in Baltimore or any like craft bars in Baltimore? Oh, the big thing right now is Gozes. Yeah, like, and I love them. They're kind of a, a salty, pilsery kind of Czech citrusy beer. They're so refreshing. Um, yeah, um, there's, there's a couple of them here. Um, they're a little tricky to make because you can seriously overdo the salt if you're not careful. Um, but I love them to pieces. I also love them because they're, one, not particularly hoppy, and two, not particularly strong. About three or four years ago, everyone at home brewing was putting as much hops as making as strong of a beer as they possibly could, and it made events like these a real chore. Um, so I always go for really light beers, and I'm glad to see other folks are doing that as well. I'm also a reenactor, so I do historical beers as well. I did make a recipe off of uh, George Washington's recipe and Ben Franklin's recipe. Yeah, um, uh, Washington's Porter and then um, Franklin's Spruce Beer. And if you've never had true, authentic Spruce Beer, don't. <laughs> um, but basically they couldn't get malt, so they used whatever they had, which was Spruce Nibs. And it is the most astringent beer you've ever had. Once Americans could start making malt, that beer disappeared because that beer was a stopgap because it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, so can you tell me uh, your name and um, what your background is with brewing a little bit? Um, I'm Ian McDonald, and I've been brewing not sure how many years now, like maybe eight, maybe something more than that. I haven't counted. I don't want to stop to count. Um, I founded the event. I, at this point, I am no longer the central uh, organizer. Um, but, uh, yeah, founded it, and I always am here. I'm always uh, part of organizing it and always make a ton of brews and chili and stuff for offering people. 
Um, and aside from the chili brew homebrew competition that's going on upstairs, you have some special chili brews that you guys made? Well, so yeah, so made, uh, made, yeah, a number of things. Uh, a couple ciders, homebrew ciders. Uh, made a homebrew uh, Imperial Tequila Trapel IPA, sort of. Um, we'll go back to that. Um, and made two conversions of Milwaukee's Best Ice. So basically, yeah, took, took Milwaukee's Beast Ice and brewed flavor additions, basically, to that dilute it from 6.9 down to 5.5 and totally transform the flavor into something more, more interesting, definitely, and hopefully more appetizing. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, just a kind of a, a, a project as a sort of challenge, as a kind of novelty. But, um, uh, yeah, so uh, also have a homemade pumpkin chili here. Um, and, yeah, so the City of Gold is, the idea was to cross American IPA with Belgian Chappelle with Cinco de Mayo, kind of. So it's, in, so some of the Belgian traditions, instead of using candy sugar, it uses agave nectar. Instead of using orange peel, it uses lime peel. Um, and uh, it uses grains of paradise. It has Belgian yeast. So it's this kind of a Belgian-American IPA thing, but with a lime sort of overtone to it. And, oh, yeah, the salt in there because, because. Because <laughs> Oh, my God. Wait, so how did you go about making that? Um, well, that's, it's made like any other homebrew, kind of, um, except, except, well, um, the, the lime and tequila are added via tincture. So basically soak lime peel in tequila and then add, dose that in just at kegging. So they're not they're not brewed in it. It's not the yeast has no contact with the tequila. Oh no, it does. Um, well, like, well, I mean, there's still yeast in the beer, but it's not fermenting with the tequila in it. It does ferment agave nectar though. So, so instead of the sugar. Right, right. And so yeah, so so it's like starts life it's as a sort of seven percent beer, and then it um, goes up to nine with the agave nectar, and then it goes up to ten with the tequila tincture. Do you want to you want to try this Aztec City Gold thing? This is not the best year for it, I think. This is not my best incarnation, but whatever. So, okay, we're going to try it, and then I'm going to ask you about what's different about this incarnation. Just a little bit. I'm not a fan of tequila. <laughs> smells like citrus. Yeah. It mostly tastes like citrus and hops. I don't really taste the tequila. I have a bit of lime clearly in there. So I'm not really tasting the tequila, but it does taste like a pretty good, like, the IPA. Well, the, the, idea, the idea was that, like, to me, tequila kind of has a kind of pininess to it. And the thought was um, that that sort of thing you could blend in with American piney hops and with, you know, so it's got Simcoe, it's got um, uh, uh, Chinook. Um, and you could sort of merge that with the American piney citrus. You could merge the sort of piney citrus of tequila lime with that. Also, to my mind, Grains of Paradise have kind of a somewhat piney experience to them. Um, so the idea was to, to yeah, to, to use all those sort of traditions and blend them together on Cinco de Mayo, kind of. I mean, yeah, I didn't actually make it on Cinco de Mayo. Well, it's, uh, it's September, but uh, it's October. Oh, my God. Yes, it's not the right time for it. Not the ideal time for it. Um, so what is different about this incarnation than the other ones? Well, so... This one, I don't. I, the the lime peel is not coming through as as upfront. Like uh, now, sometimes I've made it and it's been too much lime peel upfront. It's been like squirting a lime wedge in your eye or something. Um, but this time, it's 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 kind of sitting more back. So the lime actually comes later in my, in my taste, in my what I taste here. I taste the same, yeah. Um, 
so that's one thing is it's not as upfront that upfront experience. Also, the grain is not coming through as well as sometimes it has. I didn't decoct this one. Um, um, the hops, I kind of am a bit more happy with because there there's more of them than last than often in the past. So it's more American IPA ish. Um, the yeast was too high temperature, uh, so it got it got a bit bubblegummy. Um, nah. Yeah, that's kind of the, the rundown, I guess. So you're not proud of that one, but which of these are? Do you oh, think I'm, is the I'm best? Proud of I'm sorry, that one. not proud. But this was not the best of the of the of the times I've made it anyway. Which of these is your favorite today? Oh, uh, the ginger cider. The ginger cider. Ginger. It's 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 so simple. It's so delicious. Um, fresh ginger goes a long way. Do you use um? Do you pick the apples or do you um, just use cider from this, a store? This is store juice, um, and that's part of it. Is the idea is. Um, make, let it ride on the on the spice um, because store juice is not good juice. Um, it does not make a good cider. Just fermented straight. Um, and so the thing to make it work is going to be the flavor additions. And yeah, so here it's just it's just fresh ginger and it's great. Um, do you use a champagne yeast or do you use like a different wine yeast? Uh, use ale yeast. In this case, this was um, this was SO4 uh, British style sap ale. Uh, I'd like to try some of that. What are you trying? Scarborough, Scarborough cider. Check the nose. The parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. It smells like rosemary. All right, I'm trying the ginger uh, hard cider with fresh ginger. It certainly smells like this is really good. It's uh, the ginger is not too strong. Um, it's got a very clean taste. Um, sometimes I find that like if you use store cider it tastes weird when you ferment it there's no weird taste on that whole foods, whole foods cider uh, whole foods apple juice is great to get a free jug but it's shit for cider as far as i'm concerned but uh eh, this is this is not whole foods this is like from what some big box store uh it's yeah you don't need great suit juice uh, also in this case I, I think another key to it is not exposing the ginger to fermentation because the CO2 will carry away aroma, and fresh ginger, you want every bit of that aroma you can get. So basically, this is this is the back sweetener juice is boiled with the ginger, and that's where. And so basically, there's it, it's it's fermented as plain juice, and then it gains all of its life from the back sweetener. So what do you do for your back sweetener? Uh, so just more of the same juice and um, boil it with the the spice and. Um, and then, yeah. So you back sweeten it with the juice. Huh? You back sweeten it with the juice. Yeah, with fresh juice. With fresh juice that has been boiled with a spice. Yeah. That's interesting. Although, actually, the other one, the Scarborough, the uh, Parsley Sage Rosemary Thyme one, is um, uh, that actually, that's, that was, I boiled water with the spices, and then I used concentrate for the sweetener, um, whatever. The, the, yeah. Point is, you can get away with a lot if your spices are good and fresh and, and come through clean. It's definitely fresh. Um, do you usually add a back sweetener to your ciders? Yes, but I like it moderate. Um, this is kind of where I like it. This is kind of to my, I don't know if I would call this semi-sweet or off dry, somewhere in there. Um, but I don't like it, like typical commercial cider sweet. I don't like it bone dry. Um, and yeah, so it works out to use this back sweetener to add stuff. Thanks again to Ian at Chili Brew. Thanks to the brewers, Brent, Mark, Brian, Will, Glenn, Jeff, Steve, Jennifer, Cole, 
And uh, to my roadie, you heard at the beginning, Saul Glass Siegel. Uh, Chili Brew is annual. You can stay updated or compete at chilibrew.org. That's C-H-I-L-I-B-R-E-W.org. This has been Ferment About It. See you next week. For listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.